everyone. You are listening to Curious with Jake Heilbrunn, and I am really excited about today's episode with Dr. Clint Rogers. His long-anticipated new book just came out this week titled Ancient Secrets of a Master Healer, a Western Skeptic, an Eastern Healer, and Life's Greatest Secrets. Dr. Clint spent 10 years with Dr. Naram, a world-renowned master healer from India who worked with people like Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, the Dalai Lama, and hundreds of thousands of people from over 100 countries. Today, Dr. Clint shares with us the lessons and secrets of Dr. Naram, who recently just passed. And these lessons and teachings have healed people from all types of backgrounds, all types of cultures, and from all types of illnesses. So without further ado, please enjoy today's episode with Dr. Clint Rogers. I'm so excited to be having this conversation with you, Dr. Clint. Your book, Ancient Secrets of a Master Healer, is now live, and I've had the honor of starting it, and I had uh, the chance to read a couple of the chapters um, when it was in its beta version. The first question I had is, before you got on this trajectory of meeting Dr. Naram and on this path that you're currently on, where can you give a little bit of background of like what your life was like and, and the trajectory you're on prior? Yeah, great question. And first of all, I want to thank you for being one of the readers who gave such good feedback. You know, I think I was two, almost two years ago. And your, your contribution, your heart and so many people, it, it really made a difference. So I just want to thank you for that. And, and thanks for having me on your podcast. I'm so I think it's so cool you're doing this podcast. And it's a topic that fits. You know, you're talking about off the beaten trail. And this story definitely, you know, you're asking about what life was like before. Even even in the in the subtitle of the book, so the title is a uh, ancient secrets of a master. Subtitle is a Western skeptic, and that was so much me. I was so skeptical, an Eastern master, which you know you can see is Dr. Naram. His picture is also behind me, and life's greatest secrets. So, you're such a good question. What was life like before? I had no idea life was going to take me on this path at all. So off the beaten trail of anything that I ever anticipated ever happening. I was a university, actually a PhD student, university researcher. I was studying technology innovation. And I had a, I had a global interest. Like I love traveling like you. So I would travel, but I would travel for research purposes. So I would do these projects in Africa. I do the projects in Europe. I was coordinating actually through a university in Europe a European Union funded project that was helping look at technology innovation throughout Africa, throughout Europe. So I coordinated with universities and businesses and we did exchanges and I would coordinate events. But it was like, it was so different. I mean, some things are similar, but I would have never anticipated 10 years ago that I'd be in this position now doing this thing. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's what that's what's so cool about, you know, meeting someone or having one instance or experience that can just change the entire trajectory of your life. And so you, you talked about in the book how um, it was actually a woman that that sort of was uh, was one of the sparks of leading you down this path. Yeah, you know, your 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 point is so good, it's so true. You never know what one conversation or one meeting how it can totally change your life. You know, you don't know who you're going to meet this afternoon or what's going to happen in this hour call or how it's going to impact you. It's so crazy. We don't know. We think we know what our life is about. And then in a single day, we can meet someone that puts us on a different trajectory. And it's funny you bring that up. 
Yeah, so it was a it was a woman that, <laughs> that said, I, I didn't have an interest. I told you I was interested in traveling. I never really was interested in traveling to India. I don't know why, but it wasn't, I mean, I always like going places, so if it happened to come, I wouldn't have said no, but it wasn't on my to-do list. It wasn't on my dream list, and I don't know why. I just, I don't know, maybe I was kind of prejudiced, thinking only hippies went to India or, you know, outside, I didn't ever do a drugs ever. And I don't know why I associated India with, <laughs> I don't know. I just, it doesn't make sense now because now I know India, it's not about that. But I just didn't have a desire, but I met this girl and she was very interested in India and very interested in something called Ayurveda, which is known as the science of life. I had just met this master healer who, who does something called Siddha Veda, which is a step beyond Ayurveda. And because I felt so awkward around this girl, the only thing I could do was keep asking questions, hoping the conversation was going to continue. <laughs> and I told her I'd met this master healer. And what if I could help introduce her? And she was so happy about it. She's like, yes, please. That would be so great. And she wrote her phone number down on paper and gave it to me. So I was like, oh, cool. I got the phone number of this beautiful girl. But then I felt this pressure like, oh, now I got to deliver. So I had to call India and find out, is there any way that I can arrange a meeting or something or have something happen? You know, I didn't know how busy he was at the time, but he was super busy, like flying from city to city, every city, 100 people, at least in US, Europe and India, 300 to 400 people a day. His patients, people like the Dalai Lama, Mother Teresa, Nelson Mandela, Prime Minister of India. It's just like I, I had no, I really had no concept of how busy he was and really how in demand he was and you know really for my request just to try and impress a girl it doesn't seem like it would be that high on the, the list of priorities for him to want to accommodate but he just did he told me that i could come to the next clinic and and see what happened and so i invited this this, this beautiful woman alicia to come and yeah from there is where the story started Amazing. And can you talk about the first encounter you had with Dr. Naram, where it was a fusion, it seems like, of A, the skepticism that you had was kind of dissolved because of just wonder and amazement at what you were seeing before your eyes? Yeah, actually, you know, that didn't happen in the first meeting. Or even when I went to India, I was amazed, I was in awe, but I still had so many doubts. So the very first meeting, I was doing an interview series for a, a, a program called Wisdom of the World or an organization called Wisdom of the World. And we're doing something called 10 Days to Touch 10 Million. And the whole idea was during Christmas and Thanksgiving, oftentimes depression levels and suicide levels increase. And so it was a topic really kind of like a sensitive topic to me. So I wanted to do things to decrease depression and suicide. So I was interviewing remarkable people. I had a list of all these famous people like celebrities and movie stars and sports athletes and music stars. And I brought it to my friend, Gail Kingsbury. And I said, who can you introduce me to? And she looked at it. She knows a lot of those people, but she said, you know, Clint, I love your mission, but I don't think these people match it because their personal life isn't what you may expect. I was like, what? And she's like, no, but there's two people I think you should interview. And one of them she recommended was this master healer, Dr. Naram. I was like, I didn't know how to take it because I don't, I'm not impressed by someone being, being called a master healer. It sounds like ridiculous. Like why does someone have that title even, you know? Yeah. Like 
I'm like, I just already, my skepticism was like kicking in. I'm like, no, I just want to talk to a celebrity, you know? So then she's like, and then just at that moment, talk about like divine intervention. He was walking down the hall at that hotel, at that place. And Gail's like, look, here he is right now. So I met him. So then I had to invite him to do the interview. I did the interview and I actually, I loved his being. He was so playful and so energetic and at the same time i didn't understand a lot of what he was saying you know because it was words and concepts i'd never heard of before and also he's trying to tell me about stuff that seemed too good to be true you know and like if if he can do what he's talking about then how come we don't know in like at harvard medical school or oxford medical school or stan or mayo clinic like if it's possible in my mind i thought we would know because we have the best researchers, the most money, the most brain power. So how is this guy supposed to be able to do stuff that he's talking about? So I liked his being, but I had so many doubts and so much arrogance and so much skepticism. At the end of the interview is when he said to me, he's like, Clint, what do you do? It's like, I teach at university courses on technology innovation. And I just told him a little bit of what I did. He's like, oh, technology. He's like, I have a technology. I know it works. It goes back thousands of years. And I was like, what technology is he talking about? Because even at the time, you know, now we have all the smartphones, but he had an old Nokia handset. Do you remember those old? Oh, yeah. You, and, he, and he had just asked me how to enter my phone number into his phone. So I was showing him. He was like all excited like a kid <laughs> when he could save it. Then he's like, how do I do this thing called text? So I showed him how to text message me. So when he's saying he has a technology, I'm like, what technology does this guy have? But then he talked about this ancient science of these master healers. Actually, I think I have a picture of one of them. This is Dr. Naram. This is the guy that I interviewed. And he told me he had a master that lived to be 125. So this is him and this is his master. Who had a master? Who had a master? Who had a master? The original master was Jivaka, who was the physician for Buddha. So this unbroken lineage of masters for 2,500 years had this technology or these secrets for a few things. One is how do you have vibrant health, unlimited energy and peace of mind? So how do you, how do you, how do you avoid getting sick or how when you're sick and with any kind of chronic and acute problem, you overcome that with natural means and there's six secret keys for that. And then the other thing is when you have health, what do you do with it? He said his master taught him, he's like, you know, Dr. Naram, 95% of the people on the planet don't know what they want. They just don't know what they want. He says only 3% of people actually discover what they want. And then they don't have the technology or tools to achieve it. He says only 1% of people know what they want and they achieve it, but they can't enjoy it because in the process they got health problems, back problems, you know, relationship problems, spouse problems, children problems. So they're not enjoying it. He says only 1% of people on planet they know what they want, they achieve it and they enjoy it. And this lineage of healers they, they, they are like keepers of the Siddha Veda secrets, it's called, for how do you discover? What do you want? How do you discover? How do you achieve it in a non-toxic way so you can enjoy it? And he said that this is a part of what they call the 1% of it, the people who learn these secrets and apply them in a way in which you can achieve it and then enjoy what you've achieved. So I'm listening to him talk about this technology, but it sounds like I'm sharing it with enthusiasm now, but when I was... 10 years ago when I heard the story, I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, 
like I liked his being. I, I, there's no way I could deny it. he was a lovely person and so fun to be with. But he's using words like Siddha Veda. I didn't even know what Ayurveda was. He's using words like, ah, so I'm, I didn't know what it was. But then he said to me this. He's like, you know, if, if you know about technology, can you help me with this? But he's like, I have this technology. It works. But I don't know this technology they call internets. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, can you, do you think it can help me help more people? I was like, well, I know you can reach more people, but I don't honestly know if you can help more people because I don't know what you do. I don't, just don't get it. And that's when he invited me to India. He's like, you know, come to India, see, come to my clinic, see what I'm doing. So I was flattered, but I had absolutely no interest in going to India until I met Alicia. And then I was like very interested in going to India all of a sudden because I wanted to impress her, you know? Totally. So that's kind of how the story went. I love it. And I know you've had the opportunity um, and Dr. Naram recently did pass, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but you had the opportunity to travel with him to over, or about 90 countries, right? Over about a decade. And yeah. And I wanted <laughs> to ask like, what was, I'm sure you've seen all sorts of, you know, synchronicities and miracles. Is there like one story that stands out to you that completely blew your mind that you feel like people just have to hear about? Oh, there is so many, Jake, we could be here for days, so many days, you know, but I, I do think that, you know, captured even in the first chapter of that book, mm -hmm. did you read that about Rabat? Yep. Yeah. She had yeah. The, the complications from uh, blood cancer, correct? Yeah. So she had blood cancer and coma. That story is impactful for a lot of reasons, but because it's in the book, I, maybe I won't share that one, but I'll share one just from like traveling with Dr. Naram scrambled my brain <laughs> you know <laughs> it like it challenged everything that i thought i knew even about myself like my identity shifted so much over those years so i i, I call this a love story because it was love for my father to me beyond what i was logical in this world that now i see miracles so one synchronicity i'll just share is in preparation for the book to launch which now, as this, this is the first podcast, Jake, capturing this story after the book launch. So I just want to honor you. I'm and honored. Yeah, I, I, want, I want to say I'm honored. And I want to say whoever's watching this now, there's a reason you're watching this. This is no accident. He's talking about synchronicity. So you need to pay attention to when this happens like this. Because who knows if what can happen in this next period of time, this next 20, 30 minutes we have together, your whole life can change. So we're doing something called the Global Healing Miracle Experiment or the Miracle Experiment Game. And after the first week, someone contacted me and said, hey, she's from the Netherlands. Her name is Jenny. She's like, I just feel inspired. I should be helping with the translations of the book. I was like, super. Actually, I have post-it notes on my door, all the things that need to happen. And one of them says translation. I've never done a translation before. I don't know how to do a translation. So when she shows up and says, yes, I, I feel called to do this. I'm like, super. I sent out an email within 48 hours, Jake. We had volunteers around the world translating it into 15 languages. Wow. Now, this is about three, four weeks later, before the book was even published, volunteers out of love were already translated into 30 languages. That so is crazy. And not only that, but as they're translating it, miracles are happening in their life. And I'm trying to thank them. And they're saying, no, thank 
thank you that we can be a part of something so meaningful. So that was one synchronicity that led to a whole lot of other synchronicities. And even I was on a, a call with some of the translators, this beautiful, beautiful 19-year-old girl from Turkey translating into Turkish. She says, I'm just translating parts and I'm sending it on WhatsApp groups. She's like, by the time I'm done, there's going to be a thousand people that are ready for the book. A 19-year-old girl that just from her heart wanted to translate this and is going to have that much impact. Another beautiful, uh, beautiful man from uh, China living in Australia is translating it. A young guy, but with lots of passion. And I just was looking in his eyes and thinking, how many lives is he going to change through this one thing that he does, you know? And then as I was hearing all the translators translating to Japanese and Spanish and German and, and Tagalog and all kinds of different languages of India and of other, other countries. And then I got to the one person, she says, I'm translating into Basque. And all of a sudden, something hit my heart. And I just imagined the people that can only speak Basque. Yeah. And because doing this effort, are going to be able to read this book and go on this journey that enters their heart and their mind in a totally different space of possibility. And I thought, wow, talk about synchronicities and all their stories and what led them to that point. And then now what happens from here, it's just like watching something totally amazing, like better than any movie. It's like, wow, just paying attention. Yeah, I love that because it's a ripple effect on one hand. I, I know a slight little bit into that world of what it takes to get your book translated. And to have that many opportunities come right to you is incredible in such a short amount of time. But then the other part I love about that is, you know, it's a gift to you, but it's in return, it's also a gift to them. And that ripple is going out and out because it's affecting the people who are trans translating it and it's affecting the people that they're communicating with. So it's like the synchronicity that's affecting everyone involved, which I love. Yeah, you know, when I think of synchronicity, I think it blesses every, everyone feels like it doesn't take from anyone. Everyone is plussed. Everyone feels the awe of the miracle and everyone is nourished by it. And that's kind of what's happening. But I honestly, I don't know. I, I'm, not, I, I'm not saying this, like, I, I, don't know, I, I don't know how to say it another, any other way, but I don't know of any book on planet earth that has ever been before it's even published translated by volunteers a volunteer force around planet earth into 30 languages before it's published i mean i know like harry potter and some of those books were published in many languages but it was by a whole machinery After of a future and even of how many books were ever done at all even if it was paid for by a corporate machine before it's published usually people wait and see what happens and then decide but yeah. that's what the miracle of this is. It's like, wow, talk about synchronicity. It's crazy. Yeah. I think to me, when I hear that, though, it, it is a testament to Dr. Naram and, you know, the, the work that he's done in the world. And it's also a testament to you and your service and purpose to get this message of healing out to the world. And one of the things, and, and so people can have an understanding, I know we talked about this, is like how, because I think a lot of people, you know, in our culture here in the US, like probably have not even heard of Dr. Naram, but like he was seeing up to, you said three to 400 people a day, traveling, you know, city to city, you know, impacting millions of people around the world knew who he was. Like you said, the Dalai Lama, Mother Teresa, presidents, prime ministers, like this guy is like, has created an immense impact um, to so many people. 
one of the questions I had for you for, from like the Western mindset, right? Can you, can, if you had to like describe one of the key differences between maybe our collective Western mindset and maybe the Eastern mindset of Dr. Naram, like what is one of the, the aspects of a Western mindset that might be potentially uh, limiting to being at least open to experiencing some of these healings and um, just modalities that he, he and you both talk about in the book? Oh, I love that you asked that question. Such a great question. Chapter 13 of the book, I have such a beautiful conversation with two different um, scholars. One is a doctor and the other is a researcher. One of them is this German researcher by the name of Dr. Ludwig Max Fischer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you talked about him in your TED Talk. Yeah, good memory. Wow, amazing. And he, he, he studied, because when I saw things happening, at a certain point, you can't deny that it's happening. No matter how much you try and minimize it or like discount it, carrying you in there in the face and you have to try and make sense of it somehow. And so I, I reached out to this researcher, Dr. Max Fisher, and he, he was helping me see the differences in men, like you were saying, the, the mindset between Western even healing methods, Western medicine, and these ancient or Eastern healing methods. And he actually broke down 13 points. The one in the TEDx talk I talked about is in the West, we see things as a fight. Like we want to fight this virus, you know? Mm-hmm. And even you think about the word we give for a, a, a something to take when you're in pain, you call it a painkiller. We're going to kill the pain, you know? We're going to give it a shot, you know? We're going to fight cancer or whatever. Like everything's a struggle and we're going to use all our force to fight this thing, you know? But in, the, in this ancient healing tradition, it's not a fight. It's actually, that thing is your, it can be your teacher. It's telling you something's out of balance. So you don't want to kill that thing. You know, it's like killing the messenger. What you want to do is find out the root cause of that problem. And so the whole purpose of the Eastern healing system is, first of all, don't get sick in the first place. So it's about prevention. I mean, that's another big yeah. difference. In the West, we just wait until something's broken and then try and fix it. But in the East, it's a whole lifestyle or this whole ancient tradition. It's how you can avoid getting sick. What is the lifestyle that can help you avoid getting sick physically, mentally, and emotionally, be optimally functioning so you can live to 125, you know, or whatever age. Then if you do get sick, it's about how to purify your body and rebalance the system. So look what's out of balance. And even, even Max, Dr. Fisher, he shares a story about when he was young. You know, he just, he's an academic trained German researcher, has this stomach problem, so severe. Goes to the best doctors in Germany and U.S., everywhere. No one's able to help. And like intense pain, like crippling pain. He can't really do his research. He can't do anything at the university and just in pain. Desperate enough, he finally finds uh, one of these ancient healers and he goes person does the diagnosis method that looked a little weird to him and says you know actually max you have an imbalance in your body you have too much wood in your body and max is like what on earth is this guy talking about i've never eaten wood i don't eat wood yeah. <laughs> you know so but then he's like desperate enough he just did what this guy recommended because in this ancient methods it was about looking all the elements that exist in nature exist in you And when there's an imbalance of the qualities of that thing, then there's going to be different ailments that come. So Max was so shocked 
that his pain went away in such a short period of time. I mean, it, was, it wasn't like a quick instantaneous thing. It's not like a painkiller done or something. Yeah. But it was, it was gradual but gentle, but it, it didn't break anything else. In fact, everything else started to feel better. And at the end of that, he, he actually, he felt happy, but he was also, he felt conflicted because his arrogance wanted to think that the best things were from his own education, you know? And then he had to start questioning his education and his background and his viewpoint. And it put him on a whole path where he actually, with together, we documented 13 main principles of the differences between the Western mindset and principles of like medicine and how we look at the mind and the body and, and also how these ancient and Eastern healing methods are. One other thing I'll just share with you that's interesting. In ancient China, doctors would get paid when you're healthy and they stop getting paid when you're sick. <laughs> you know, oh, we so do some of that here. Their incentive is to keep you healthy. And also, they have to demonstrate it. They actually had a board outside of their clinic that, that listed anyone that any of their patients that didn't live to at least 100 years old. So first of all, they're keeping you healthy. And second of all, they fail if you didn't live to at least 100, you know. And so this is a very different context than, you know, in, in Western, Western society. Doctors have some of the lowest lifespans, like life expectancy ages of, of the normal population. So, I mean, we know they're, they're devoted and giving so much, but there should be a way in which we look at health and wellness that people can demonstrate it from their own being and live it. And then from that abundance of health and energy they share with others, you wouldn't really go to someone who is like super poor and say, teach me how to be a millionaire because they haven't done it. So you want to find someone that has found a secret. How do you have unlimited energy, vibrant health and peace of mind? And then learn from them, how did they do that? Now, same time, I honor and I value Western medicine and doctors. And there's so much that, so many things that we figured out that are so cool. Like I had LASIK surgery and used to wear glasses. Now I don't wear glasses. And it took 15 minutes. It's like crazy. Someone yeah. figured out that thing, you know? Or like if I really need some, I break something and I need someone to stitch together like, like my nerves or something. I mean, it's pretty crazy and cool what's possible. But when it comes to a lot of the chronic and acute health challenges, diabetes, arthritis, blood pressure, problem, you know, like, why not go with something that goes at the roots? And always, whenever you have a health problem or medical problem, always the disclaimer is always talk to your doctor. Even I say it's important when you follow these principles to be in contact with your doctor, especially if you're on medication, because if you're on blood pressure medication, but then you follow the diet, you follow the ancient secrets, and then you don't need that blood pressure medication anymore. It's, you're going to be over-medicated. So it's good to go to them because they can help you. Like with my dad, you just went to his doctor. They're like, oh, you don't need this anymore. Oh, you don't need this anymore. Oh, you don't need this anymore. And then soon, within six months, you went from 12 medications to one. Crazy. It's like, wow, this is possible. We should, people should know it's an option. Maybe, maybe they won't choose it, but you should know it's a choice. I can't even remember what your original question was there. Uh, so make I, I, love, I love the tangent you just went on. And uh, it sparked a bunch of things for me. But one of the oh, things it was about Western said, mindset. Western mindset. Sorry about that. Go ahead, though. Yeah. Well, no, just, um, I mean, so many things. And I totally agree in terms of, like, the congruency of, you know, what is health? What is vitality? And 
I, I think the congruency is something that we could definitely benefit from having more in our culture of looking at it holistically, like, like you said about doctors being healthy, but not just, you know, trying to fix the bandaid, but like getting to the root of what's going on. Um, another thing I think you said is huge there is awareness. And I think that's everything because unless, until you said the thing about ancient, the ancient Chinese doctors being paid when they're healthy, like that's a completely different paradigm that until you said that, I didn't even think about like, wow, that could be the norm. So I think until people are exposed to and a paradigm or a way of being outside what they're used to, they're not even aware that there's a possibility for better, a possibility for more empowered health. So yeah, that, that's just a fascinating concept to me. And again, it's just giving people, and I think what you're doing in your book, it's because there is going to be a skepticism, you know, uh, because this is different, anything that's different, you're always going to be a little bit cautious of what's going on. But um, that's what's so impactful about your book with you know, the powerful stories and, and the research is showing like this is really possible. And it kind of, and this is not going to be the most straightforward question. So you can answer it however you see fit. Um, so I've been healing from, from Lyme disease for the past seven months. And it's one of those kind of chronic, um, or they call it chronic health conditions where, you know, you hear people talk about having a vegan diet, a carnivore diet, don't eat this, but eat that. And you get kind of conflicting, um, conflicting opinions. And so what you said before really rung true, which is that all the elements in nature are within ourselves, but the key is knowing the balance, like what your body may need or to take a break from. Is there a way for people to discover this on their own? And if not, like where, what is people's best way to kind of figure out their own way to heal themselves? Uh, such great questions, Jake. Yeah, I want to, I want to answer that real quick. You know, talking about doctors, um, someone just shared with me that the suicide rate for doctors is so high as well. And that made me sad. Here is like a system in which these people are dedicating their lives to help. But the system is, it's not, it's not congruent or healthy in itself. So no matter how much that individual wants to do, like why is the suicide rate so high? It's not just physical health, but also mental, emotional health. So it makes me feel like, what can we do? What can we really do with awareness? So the people that want to be in this point of service, of giving care, healthcare, are also supported in the way they need so that they can have optimal health physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And a big part of it is that question you're asking, which is, then how do I know when I'm out of balance? How do I know what to do? And one of the very first things to do is actually read this book, you know, and I'm, I'm not just saying that because, I'm saying it because you have to start with opening your mind and your heart to be willing to try different stuff. If you're already willing to try something else, then it's doing it for a long enough time period that you start to see the results because it's not a quick fix instantaneous, like something it's a deeper healing process. It took you a while to get the problem that you have or the imbalance you have. And so it takes a while for it to go away in a way that's gentle. So you have to have that mindset. And this book is what is a tool and instrument specifically created to give you that mindset to continue with it long enough that you need to. Now, the other thing is, from the book, it leads into a free community. This is one of the bonuses where a free community site 
that gives you access to resources where you can discover yourself. You can discover actually what is your imbalance and then it leads you on the path of what to do from there. There's actually a game that's a, a gift for everyone who gets the book called 30 Days to Unlock Your, your Ancient Secrets Power. And in the process of playing that game, you start to learn more, you discover yourself, but then you're doing specific stuff on a regular basis. Hardest thing for any of us is to create a new habit or break an old habit. It's just tough, mm -hmm. whoever it is. But when you're playing it as a game, it sets it up in such a way that you can win the game. And as you win the game, you win your life back. And so that's one, those two are the resources that I think are helpful, or you know, a couple of the resources. Yeah, thank you. And it's funny, when you said that, another thing came to mind, which I remember reading in the book, and, and I know you, you've talked about this as well in your TED Talk, is coming back to this concept of self. You know, we look at, uh, there are certain paradigms that look at healing as like, oh, there's physical health and there's mental health. Yet there's clearly this fusion of how they're interconnected. And one of the things that, Dr. Naram would ask people is, what do you want? Yeah. And can you elaborate a little bit on that concept? Because I think for me, you know, you, you come in, you go into the doctor's office, you have X condition, Y condition, and then all of a sudden they're going, what do you want? It, it can be a little off-putting, but I think there's something really um, meaningful and, and important going on there. Yeah, it's such a great point. You know, uh, one of the most powerful things Dr. Naram taught me that I was also in the TEDx talk and in the book it says anything can be a medicine or a poison depending on how you use it. So even water, medicine for many things, but a poison for some stuff. It says even your work, your life's work can be a medicine for you or a poison. It's a poison, it can, you can get sick if it's not aligned with your purpose. So if you're not asking yourself, what do I want? And following those things, actually it can result in you getting sick. It's like a, a drag on your soul purpose or something, you know? So actually by asking this question it's one of the steps towards not only your optimal health but you're also your deeper happiness and your peace of mind so he said that the big thing most people don't know is what they want so when you ask what do you want there's certain points you can press on your body certain process that you can follow that that i can that I actually i i outline in the book with certain pictures and stuff that you can actually see and the reason why it's so powerful is when you're clear on what you want you know, even there's that famous Alice in Wonderland quote where the Cheshire cat asks Alice, where are you going? She says, I don't know. He says, well, then it probably, she says to, she says to him, where should, where, which direction should I go? He says, well, where do you want to go? I don't know. And he says, well, then it doesn't matter what direction you, what path you take, you know. But when you're clear on what you want, it fuels a lot of stuff, you know, and it can be on any level, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relationship, financial, and one thing I love about Dr. Ram is he, he listened without judgment. Someone could say, whatever. I mean, I could share stuff with the shock you about people say, I want this thing. And he never had judgment about it. He said, super. And even there's something healing in that moment of about allowing yourself to want what your soul really wants and not worry about what other people think, not worry about what your parents would have said, not worry about what your girlfriend or spouse or boyfriend or whatever it might say or, or your friends or your family. Not worrying even if, it, if, you, if you may fail or not, but actually just getting to the point where you can finally allow yourself to ask, what do I want? It's very powerful, very healing. Yeah, cool, yeah, good question. Yeah, and I think what you said about 
uh, non-judgment is so important. And, and also when asking this for yourself, because uh, when I read that and I've had experience with this before, I can be judging what I want, which is preventing me from actually admitting what I want. Because I find that even admitting what you want can be kind of scary because once you admit what you want, then you have a choice. Do I course correct and, and make some shifts to pursue what I want? Or am I going to continue living in a way where I'm choosing to not look at what I want? So I think it's, a, it's both non-judgment of self and, and also if you choose to you know, engage in this question with someone else, uh, making sure you're creating the space for that person listening to be a, a person of non-judgment or as best as they possibly can. Yeah, great point. We're so, we so judge ourselves so much. And you don't even, you don't even say, you just get possible, not possible out of your mind for the, the time you're asking the question. Don't stop the inquiry by saying that's not possible. Get that out. And yeah. you just say, what do I want? And anything's on the table for that. Just open your mind. Just give yourself five, 10 minutes a day and then see what comes and see what fuels you and see then what happens and what kind of mystical miracle synchronicities kind of arise when you ask yourself that question. Yeah, and one thing I found, and this is crazy, and I, and I really believe I will look back on this period because um, my, you know, I was working in a business for two and a half years that I co-founded and started and built, and, and then with all the, the Lyme stuff that happened, it kind of completely flipped my life on its side. And, but I can say now, and I'm still very much in it, but I, I'm choosing not to go back to what I was doing because I realize it, it isn't aligned. And this is something that I know with wisdom and, and looking back, I will see so much more clearly. But this is definitely, well, yes, it's been uncomfortable with the physical pain, but, and I'm doing you know, all these remedies and different holistic protocols and things. But on the spiritual, uh, emotional side, I've been doing tons of journaling and self-reflection, like what do I actually want? And I'm definitely now, I feel like more close closely aligned, like going what I want. And it almost took this um, experience of illness to make me have the audacity to pursue what I want, because I'm realizing <laughs> my life could be flipped in an instant like this health. I didn't know this was going to happen. So if my life was taken from me or whatever could happen, at least I will know that I'm spending each day moving in the direction that, you know, calls out to me. So the, the, when I was reading that and even hearing you say, I think the connection between like our, you know, our purpose in life and our health is, is more interconnected than maybe uh, I think science or, or my own understanding of it um, can, can fully understand. Wow, such wisdom. I hope everyone listening really takes in what Jake just said. That was really powerful and, and just so, so true. Like, what a gift. I mean, so many of us, we, we go to jobs we don't like get into relationships that really aren't, you know, a fit just because we think we should, or we need to, or we, and we might, or something, something happens. But the reality is you can do stuff that you love and you can do stuff that fuels you and you can do stuff that energizes you. And why waste your life working a job so that you can just go on a short holiday and sit on a beach, Why not do something you actually love every day that is, you don't need a holiday from, or if you want to, you can, have variety, but you know, you're not looking for, you're not watching the clock basically. <clears throat> well, I want to be conscious of time because I know you have an interview with the princess of Netherlands after this. Um, yeah. And before I ask the final question, you have your book, which has been a long time waiting, is finally live, Ancient Secrets of a Master Healer. 
where can people get the book? Where can they connect with you online? Yeah, great. So the book is uh, now just now available. You go to myancientsecrets.com. So myancientsecrets.com. Uh, yeah, the first two words of the book, myancientsecrets.com. And from there, it'll show you all the different things you can do. When you go to purchase it at whatever place, you come back to that website, put in your receipt number, and there's a really special invitation that you'll get. It's an exclusive invitation you'll get um, to a game called the Miracle Experiment Game. And it's a really fun thing that you can play if you want to. And it's an experiment. See what kind of mystical miracles can happen in your life. So that's where you go with that. You can connect with me. I'm on uh, Facebook, Dr. Clint G. Rogers on Instagram. I just started last year, which is fun. Those are the, probably the two best places. And uh, I'm just grateful that you took this time, Jake. I, 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 I just before the call, I was, I was telling you about how we have your book here in India with us off the beaten trail. I just want to encourage everybody to read that book because it's a perfect example of really following your heart to live life like what you really want to do. Not wait until, okay, when I retire or when I'm married or when this, this. No, it's what do I want to do now? You know, in the TEDx talk, I said, what, if, you only, if you knew you only had six months left to live, what would you do? And you did that. You not only had the journey, but you wrote about it. And now I've helped so many other people because of that. So if, if for everyone, anyone who hasn't, that just definitely read, read Jake's book. Thank you. Thank you. And, and we'll make sure to link to uh, the website, My Ancient Secrets and the book and everything in the show notes. And again, it's been such an honor having you, Clint. And my final question for you is, you know, people have like getting the opportunity to have even a few minutes with Dr. Naram was like a rare opportunity. And you got to spend a decade with him. Now, to, to try and boil it down to something you've learned with him, I'm sure like you've, there's so many different things. But if you had to say one of the core lessons that you take with you every day from Dr. Naram, what would that be? Oh, thanks for asking such a profound question. In his, in his funeral, well, I guess it's a prayer service. You know, you mentioned he passed away. It's just amazing that. He passed away. We finished the book and the next month he passed away and I was feeling so lost and like totally depressed and so many things were happening and I didn't even know what I was going to do, you know, and then all kinds of really mystical miracle kind of things happened. But the point of my mind to, we were writing the book because he couldn't see more people. So the book was going to help people that he couldn't meet in person. And so as I was moving forward with the book, I just saw more mystical things happen when I followed one principle that he taught. And the principle is called Aditi Devo Bhava. Aditi Devo Bhava. And it means when an unexpected guest arrives in your life, you treat them as if God himself or herself has come to visit you. If you boil it down into normal terms, it's honoring the divine in you and in other people and other circumstances that arise. So for me, this dog appeared. He's actually sleeping over here right now. I don't know if you can see him on the, but he's oh, been like no way. a companion for two months. He showed up and started following me around that same night where I was so depressed. And it was a DT. I remember that concept, the DT Devil Baba. Dr. Ram always had food for any stray animal, any homeless person, anyone he treated like God was coming to visit. You give God real due respect and with animals too. So I, I, I remember that concept. And so I said, okay, I'm going to treat this dog like a DT Devil Baba, but he didn't want any food. So then I'm like, what do I do? He just kept following me around everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And then really it busted in my heart into this open space of, okay, 
Aditi Devo Baba. And since then, a lot of the miracles that this whole global experiment is having with the 1,500 people all around the world, when they follow this principle, Aditi Devo Baba, honor the divine in you and in others, the unexpected guests. Unexpected guests may be an animal, may be a person, may be a feeling, an emotion, it may be whatever. But you just honor the divine of that moment, that experience, that person, that event. And, and you'll be surprised what can happen. And Dr. Ram did that on such a profound level. So that's just one thing I'll share now. Beautiful. I love that. It's like the, the classic namaste, similar to namaste, huh? Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Clint, for taking the time and having this conversation. I'm so excited to finish reading your book. And it's just an honor for me to see the impact that you're creating in the world and sharing these these healing secrets with the masses. So thank you again. Uh, thank you, Jake. Namaste, everyone. I hope you guys enjoy that conversation with Dr. Clint Rogers as much as I did. Guys, if you haven't yet, check out his book, Ancient Secrets of a Master Healer. It's on Amazon and all places where you can get a book. The more I've been reading it since we recorded this conversation, the more I am fascinated and looking into some of Dr. Naram's teachings himself. So hope you guys enjoyed this one, and I hope wherever you are in the world, you are healthy. I know these are some weird times we are experiencing, um, and nonetheless, I hope this podcast and episode could be a bright light amidst all the chaos going on in the world. And until next time, peace and stay curious.